And here we are. I'm here with my two very special guests, my Lucha experts, Ty Berna. Finally, finally, finally is going to get to talk about Lucha Underground extensively. And uh, the very honored guest, uh, the super loud godlike figure, apparently, uh, the Killjoy from Impactico Escalar and Attack on Wrestling. Um, Killjoy, do I say that funny, or did you just say, like, Impacto Escalar? Like, is there, is there no rolling the R's? I think I just like to do it. Uh, how do I say this? Um, I say it's okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, before we jump into stuff, man, since you're brand new to the show, uh, tell us about your two shows that you host, um, your background. I know you, you write for a couple of websites. Um, just introduce us to the stuff that you got going on and uh, where everybody can find it. Okay. Hola, mi amigos. First of all, this isn't really my accent. I'm actually okay with my English. Um, yeah, my name online would be The Killjoy. In real life, it would actually be Robert Morales. Um, I write for my own website. It's called Impacto Estelar, where I basically review television shows. I've basically covered at least 11 different companies this week. I host the Radio Estelar podcast and the Attack on Wrestling podcast, where I review shows in English, basically. The uh, the Estelar one, like I told everybody previously on the program, is a uh, Spanish language uh, in, uh, podcast, and then the other one is Attack on Wrestling is your English language podcast, correct? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, just before we jump into the more, uh, you're very, very, okay, so you said you reviewed 11 different um promotions so you're a guy who's very knowledgeable on say uh triple a um and on the the puerto rican scene as well uh tell us some of the some of the the more latin um stuff that you cover that people might not be familiar with well yeah with. right now uh right now i'm not covering triple a they're on break but as far as other promotions go sometimes i'll watch cmll but um yeah, that's way too much for my plate at this point um too long of a show i also covered wwc and ewo which is a very small independent promotion from puerto rico and breaking news regarding puerto rico too um that by this point, people will probably know, but Rey Mysterio will be competing in WWC. Oh, okay. That's um World Wrestling Council. That's the old, uh, still owned by the Colognes, right? Yep. Um, first of all, a little background for all the listeners. Uh, that's one of the oldest wrestling uh, wrestling territories that there is. WWC stands for World Wrestling Council. It's uh, owned by Carlito and um, which one of the primos? Is... Primos' father, uh, Carlos Colon. Um, it's it was a real real huge deal back in like the NWA days, uh, say uh, late seventies, early to mid eighties. Um, Ric Flair used to go down there and work all the time as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, it's the Macho Man. Yeah, Macho Man. A lot of guys used to go down there. Puerto Rico used to be a real big territory back in the territorial days, so it's uh, still around. So what what's this deal that Rey Mysterio has gotten into with them? Is it like a like a real deal, or is he just going down there to to make some appearances? Chances are it's just a one-off deal. Uh, yeah. Probably the same thing as Alberto. They'll probably contact them for another appearance, but as far as I know, it's just a one-off. Okay. Um, so jumping into, since after giving your background, you know you're really familiar with the uh, the luchas and uh, the 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 traditional um, connection that uh, Latin countries and, and Latin peoples have with professional wrestling. 
Um, how do you feel? Have you gotten real quick, a real aside? And I talked about this in the in the opening. I don't think that everybody out there realizes. I have combined more downloads from Latin countries than I do from fucking America for this show. So have you gotten like a lot of? Have you personally gotten like a lot of? Uh, feedback on this particular program because I know you you promoted a little bit, but I was shocked to look on there and see thirty five percent of my downloads are from Puerto Rico itself, just by itself, and then a ton just going down the line: Mexico, uh, Colombia, Panama, Bolivia, uh, Peru. Are you? What's going on here? What's happening? Well, as far as promoting goes, basically your podcast is on every single post of, of mine. It's on okay. the bottom. So if someone goes to see one of my posts, they're gonna they're gonna end up seeing your your podcast. That's solid. That's solid. And since you cover so many different promotions, it's probably helping getting it out there. I was just I was just very surprised. And by the way, are you fuckers in the UK who I thought I was cool with all my United Kingdom people? Less than one percent. Less than 1%. You're slacking. Bunch of fucking... Ah, turncoats. Um, so, given your background, how do you feel about the way Hispanics and Latinos and their side of the of the culture, of the wrestling culture, is presented and used on the mainstream, like WWE? Um, how do you feel about their, you know, their usage of Alberto Del Rio, of... Um, the way they does that appeal for one thing i'd like to ask do you feel like it appeals to people when Alberto del rio cuts his heel promos in spanish no really you don't think so <laughs> not, at not at all especially when he's talking about mex america yeah what kind of stuff Just is he confusing. saying when he says that stuff uh I, to be honest when he talks it's pretty much the same thing like uh for example he's calling everyone dogs all the time in his matches um but he doesn't really say much. It's just confusing because what exactly was the plan with Mike's America anyway? Like, was Seb Coulter going to make a, a new country in his backyard or something? I don't think they fucking knew what the plan was for it. I... Yeah. Um, how, wh- how do you feel about, you know, the usage of uh, Sin Cara, of uh, Mystico, of uh, well, that whole deal? Mystico, I've learned, is a piece of shit. Okay. This guy has shown his... They haven't said very many good things on that. Like, I listen to the the podcast that Conan hosts, and, uh, yeah, they don't have a lot of kind things to say about him either, so... He is right now blaming everyone in the U.S. for his failure in the WWE. Mm. Saying people were holding him back, like, dude, we saw you break your finger and scream for a match to be stopped. Um, no one else does that. Yeah, no one made you do that, uh... So do you think that there's proper um do you think that they that they tap into the possible Latin uh Latin market enough with the way that they use, you know, Callisto, Lucha Dragons, um Alberto, or do you think that, you know, there's a smarter way that they could do it? You know, like back in two thousand four to like two thousand seven, like Latinos were all over SmackDown. Like they adored this show. Yeah, I remember. I remember. That was it that was like because Back then, I remember reading about and seeing a lot of the fact that it was on network television, so you didn't need cable. You didn't. It was available in a lot more homes, and that's why they 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 uh, 
they catered it more towards to try and appeal to a Hispanic uh, a Hispanic audience, and it was a fucking badass show back then too. Yeah, but nowadays, like with at least with Alberto, that that is such untapped potential. Um, Kalisto, like we saw this week, spectacular failure in a way. Yeah. Um, the Cologne, just kind of funny because there was this rumor that Vince McMahon wanted a, a Latino, and he was he was trying to contact Carlito. But you had his more talented and more motivated brothers in the roster, but you didn't want to use them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's bizarre, really, because you see all these talents, not just the Latino guys, but everyone in general in the WWE work outside the environment, and they're great. But when they're in it, they, you can notice like constraints in how they're used. So yeah. it's, a, it's a huge, because, you know, lay out for people out there, because a lot of people, I mean, I say that, but then I just got done talking about how more people in Latin America download me than they do in fucking America. But then, okay, so maybe you can, you can bring justice to us in the light here in this. I don't think people, a lot of people might realize how fucking huge of a deal wrestling is in places like Puerto Rico, in places like Mexico, in all kinds of Spanish-speaking countries. Um, try to lay out for us how big of a deal it is, because it's still right up there in probably the top five um, spectator spectator sports that there is, is it not? Well, in the 80s, just to give a, a thought on the impact, like, as far as the eco- economy goes, wrestling was considered an econ- economic power in the 80s for Puerto Rico. Um, nowadays, not so much, but... Yeah, like, uh, people just go insane for it. Uh, there's just this traditional sense. People are very traditional here. In Mexico, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like in Japan, too, which is why um, yeah. there's there's so many promotions over there. Over here, really, in Puerto Rico, the only problem would be the economy. That's really the only thing holding back promotions. Yeah. I, shit. <laughs> and I know very well, because um, I actually got my start, my first live show I ever went to, my Mexican uncle, by marriage, took me to the show live, so um, I, I do have a little connection to that, and I have a little insight into that. Uh, so, Lucha Underground, this is what you guys are fucking here for. Ty, hey, hi there, hello, you're still hi, there. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we got... This is a fucking miracle on earth. We got tired to be quiet for the first 10 minutes of this show. Um, so, it's I've expressed on here before that I uh, haven't watched a ton of the show. I've done the first couple of episodes. Matt Striker, I can't move on from it. Maybe I'll check out the end because I hear there's a lot of good stuff that I need to see um, that Ty covered on the end of year show. So, tell us about the first season of Lucha Underground. Some of the more captivating stars, more captivating characters, um, their backstories, uh, what people who didn't watch the show missed, and what people who watched it might have liked. This show, from here on out, is going to be more about you two, about my two guests, because obviously I'm a a Lucha Underground uh, virgin. I barely dipped my toe in the pool. So, go for it! Now let's just start, Ty. Go ahead. All right. Well, the first thing you're going to notice with Lucha Underground is the production values are off the charts. Just incredible. Like, it's, it's, it's night and day compared to watching WWE. And WWE has way more money to spend at this, and they don't drop a dime compared to what Lucha Underground does. You Just looking at the backstage segment, it's like watching an actual movie, which is incredible. Uh, 
I mean, just in the camera work, the whole nine yards, the temple, the way it's set up, you feel. KJ, how would you put this, man? Like, it's the segments. Yeah. Um. Basically, picture yourself a 2016 uh, Robert Rodriguez movie. Like, that's literally how it looks. Okay. That's huge, man. Because you got a producer like that. You got an actual movie producer working on this. Compared to having Kevin Dunn doing whatever the hell he's doing. So that's a huge, huge thing about Lucha Underground. I think that really draws a lot of the people in. Yeah, isn't the show, isn't the show, it is executive produced by Robert Rodriguez, right? Yes. God damn. And you have Mark Burnett, too. Okay. Where did he come from? What's, what's, What's the significance of that? Um, basically, he's the guy who was behind like a ton of reality shows, like Survivor and all that. Okay, okay, wow, yeah, that's that's a uh, big stuff and lends credence to why the the production would be so much different and better. Continue, continue. KJ, I'll take, take, let you take the next point. Well, um, it's not just the production values too. Like when you see the season, and given the fact that I've also been uh, reviewing it lately on my website, cheap plug there. Um the continuity is insane with this show. Like, there are storylines that you could trace back 20 episodes, just details that connect stories so well as well. Like, they they laid out this so incredibly well. It's hard to believe, really, compared to the stuff we see in WWE or, or TNA. Like, we'll get to it later in the, in, the, in the episode, I guess, but just to give you an example, the biggest story in the show... You could trace back the clues for it 20 episodes away. Yeah. Well, and I think it's because this show is, you know, WWE likes to talk like this, but then it doesn't really come out in their actual performance. But, like, this show was 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 intentionally uh, put together and visualized and developed to have, like, a, a TV show type uh, arcs and storylines where... You start off with the season premiere, you go to the season finale. So these things are not, from what I can tell, being being created the day of or on the spot or, you know, we change our mind after four weeks. Like, this is the story, this is the idea, this is the stories that we want to tell, that's how we're going to go. Am I correct? I, for the most part, yeah. I think there were still some characters that really popped out that I don't think they expected to gain popularity. Um, I don't know how much Pentagon Jr. was supposed to be a big star, but he pretty much kicked down the gate and ran for, you know, ran with it. And then you got uh, people like Phoenix. I think he just he popped off just because he was a ridiculously good, you know, in ring wrestler. And I think those two they they saw, you know, these guys are popular. Let's run with them. And then I think they developed later on in the season for them. At the beginning, they weren't really focused on so much. And then once you got you know, once the pe- once they figured out who was gonna star, that's when they started developing later on. That's why, like the first few episodes, like what you watched, probably didn't pop out as much to you as it should have. I think they were still trying to kind of get their legs underneath them and figure out yeah. where they wanted to go. And once they did, they just hit the ground running and never stopped. Yeah, there was a, a feeling out process for like two or three weeks for like maybe the, the first taping cycle. But after that, they started to give more direction to, like like you said, Pentagon and Phoenix. Um, Drago and Arrowstar, two guys that for the most part really weren't meant to like explode like they did. Yeah. Especially Drago, because people don't know it, but Drago's like 45. 
Yeah, I think Drago was one of those guys I think they just brought in for a token appearance or two, and then people loved him. And well, what's what's special about him? What's what's tell us about Drago and what happened there? Um, his costume basically, he looks like a like a literal man dragon going around. Well, that is quite impressive. That sounds like something interesting that I would want to see. There we go. Maybe some people, and then so it was just the costume, or is his work style uh, pretty interesting as well? He's a really solid worker too, but I think it's the mix between his ring work and the costume which really stand out. And the whole yeah. theatrics of it, a little bit yeah. like maybe Balor a little bit. Yeah, the theatrics, the aura about him, uh, j- just his look in general was awesome. You know, he's nothing fantastic like body wise, but the whole the costume gives him that push, and he's really smooth in the ring from what I could see. Tell me about uh, Dario, Dario Cueto, I think his name is, the uh, the authority figure in this thing. You know, people say that I'm so sick of authority figure storylines and this, that, and the other, but this is not your average authority figure um, in a wrestling show. Tell me about this guy. I've heard so much raving and ranting about how great he is. Tell me why. He is the best authority figure since Vince McMahon in the Attitude Era. Bar none. Okay, this why? Guy- all right, first of all, you don't have just a wrestler trying to be an authority figure. You have a professional actor playing Dario Cueto, which is huge. Yeah. He comes in. He doesn't give a damn. He doesn't play favorites, per se. He pretty much puts it straight out. He goes, I love violence. And he puts everyone in place so he can get that bloodthirst uh, you know, satiated for him. He, he doesn't fuck around. You know, he doesn't, oh, I'm going to put you in a match against six people and blah, 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 and I'm going to drown out for 20 minutes on what I'm going to do and why I'm so great and this and that. He walks out and says, all right, you two want it, you know, you want violence? Here it is. Boom. Done deal. He gets it out of the way. But he does it with such uh, purpose and, the you know, the, the actor just has the character pinned down to a T and it's phenomenal. He also, he also is very different to, say, Vince McMahon. Like, we see him on Raw nowadays just doing all sorts of things to Roman Reigns. But as far as Dario goes, for example, when the season first starts, um, he's got Big Rick on his side with the crew, which is these three thugs. And Big Rick is constantly – Big Rick, by the way, is um, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. And he's basically strong-arming arm- Dario constantly for the first few episodes. So in order to solve that, Dario pays off the crew, his three minions. They take out Big Rick, they burn his eye out, and now they're under Dario's employ. So he basically buys him right out from under him and then uses him as his minions. Uh, Eventually they fail him, so he decides to throw one of them into his brother, who is Matanza, who eats the man. A person is actually devoured on this wrestling show. We have a grand total of two deaths on this season. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like you said, and this, that's the, this is the type of thing that I'm trying to get across to whoever's listening. Like, this is it's not your average. This is an extremely different. So how, break down for me, how, did, how, did the, how does Matt Stryker handle that? Like, what did they say after that? Like, this person got eaten. Like, what? They don't see it actually. All the backstage segments are not acknowledged by the commentators. They 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 never see them. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, it's it's kind of like what's put out in front of the commentators and in the ring is, you know, for everybody who's there, 
in person, it's like this is just a competitive sport that we're watching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All the backstage stuff is stuff that happens separately, like completely separately, that nobody at the actual arena really knows about. Yeah, basically, the commentators have the fan perspective uh, of the show. They they only see what's in the ring. Okay, yeah, they're, they're not the all-knowing voice like every other company out there. Okay, so yeah, but because I okay, I get it now because when I did watch, they do have some of the TV style vignettes um, that make it seem like it's elsewhere outside of the arena. So it's not like what is happening in the vignettes is happening also on the monitor in front of the commentators. Right. It's it's set up to where what's happening in the vignettes is kind of like a a fictitious television program that feeds into the wrestling that you're watching. It's a completely separate separate but connected. Um everybody'll see what what we're talking about if you check out the show. So that makes a lot of sense. That's um that's that's pretty fucking crazy. How did the other person die? Um he he gets his spine shattered. Wow. <laughs> Basically. Okay. So Quito's a real actor, very smooth, uh puts together awesome stuff in the show. Um tell us some more about some of the some of the cool story some of some about the the cool storylines and how they're built throughout season 1. Ty, you go on that one first. Well, first of all, you had uh, Phoenix versus Mil Muertes for quite a while. Basically, Tell us about Mil Muertes just by himself, because I heard that's Killjoy. Fucking... Killjoy, I like this one because he's <laughs> your favorite wrestler. So. He is my favorite wrestler of all time. This man has played a man who has been killed on like three separate promotions. He is he is most well known as Ricky Banderas. He is from Puerto Rico, actually. Um, he debuted in 1999. He has wrestled in many uh, Latin promotions. The first ever ever AAA Mega Champion, four-time AAA Mega Champion. Um, Mil Mortis himself is basically uh, a, a dead guy, basically. He was buried in an earthquake as a child. He was found and taken out of the rubble, basically, and has learned to hate. He's got some sort of connection to death because of this earthquake. Uh, he possesses a magical stone created by the earthquake which helps him raise the dead as well hmm so yeah. Mil Muertes basically translates to a man of a thousand deaths there are a thousand deaths I guess so and so so it's basically a uh if we were going to equate it to something he's in sort of the same realm as an undertaker or a Kane or a yep. sting he's Correct. this undead killing machine basically right. and Mexican that's an undertaker yeah, and I, I, well, okay, I'll let you say it. I didn't want to just jump the gun and s- simplify it that much, but if that's what you say, then I agree um, from what I've heard. And so, but what I like about your description is there's so much mythology behind the character. There's such a story, and, like, this stuff is okay to be, like, to push in the year 2015, 2016, 2017. That's awesome. Um, so, Ty, go ahead. Phoenix and Mil Mortes. Yeah, basically, you know, the name Phoenix, of course, in the mythical bird that dies and is reborn every time. Um, Mil Muertes targets him as he wants, you know, Phoenix's mythical power, if you will. And so it, it keeps boiling down, eventually becomes to what they call a casket match, basically. And you have Katrina, his, Mil Muertes' uh, was her handler, 
how would you even describe Katrina for Mil Muertes? She like controls him almost. Okay. Uh, but she is in the process of Phoenix and Mil Muertes feuding. She's a, you know she's hit by Mil Muertes and Phoenix comes to her rescue because of course he's the okay. he's the face you know. So all of a sudden Katrina shows interest in Phoenix and starts managing him basically and telling him that he has to be the one to destroy Mil Muertes. So it comes down to this huge casket match, and Phoenix gets absolutely wrecked in the process of this whole match, which was a phenomenal match, one of the key highlights of this whole season. Yeah, that's what I've heard a lot about that casket match. It's a season episode called Grave Consequences. Yeah. And eventually, with the help of Katrina, Mil Mertes is put in the casket and carried out and you know, death is defeated by life because Phoenix is now known as the man. Well, of motherfucker, don't spoil the end of the match, goddamn. <laughs> Anyways, but got to do it for the story. The story, though. Great. So, Phoenix is you know looking to move on and this and that, and all of a sudden Katrina comes back because she disappeared too, hmm. and all of a sudden Mil Mart. You know, then it's revealed that Katrina was just pulling the strings on Phoenix so that Mil Mertes could be reborn. And he comes uh, out, yeah, he comes out, pretty much destroys everyone in his path after that, and probably should have put Phoenix in the infirmary by the time he was done with him, after their second match. And that's when Milbertes really becomes, he be, it's almost like he became stronger after death and reborn. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of mythology. A lot, you know, that's the great thing about every character has a mythology behind them. There's a purpose. There's a backstory. You don't get that anymore in the WWE, TNA, stuff like that. No one's had a backstory anymore. There's oh, we're this gimmick. This is what we are. Well, you got anything to add to to that spiel, KJ? Oh boy, I'll be here a, a while for this one. Um, first off, there's Prince Puma, who is basically the star of the show. This is a young man from Boyle Heights, which is where the show is filmed, who somehow has Aztec blood running through him. He is a member of the seven tribes, which get talked about all season long. And basically, he's got warrior's blood. That's his backstory. And we see him through the season uh, rise up with the help of Conan. He becomes um, the world champion. Um, we've also got Pentagon, who one could say is his polar opposite, basically. He is this disgraced martial artist who goes to Japan. He learns the dark arts over there. Hmm. He basically, he learns to fend for himself as well. And when he comes to back to, to Mexico, he's still not respected. In Lucha Underground, though, comes the big story. He, he starts first to follow Chavo Guerrero. And that doesn't go well, which doesn't surprise anyone. Um, afterwards, there's this one episode where Vampiro just goes around talking about, this guy needs a master, this guy needs direction, and that's why he went with Chavo. But I think if he had the right person, he could go far in this business. And right after Vampiro talks about that in his match, Pentagon Jr. lays it out. He has a master. And he will follow this master. He will do anything to please this master. And from that point on, he starts breaking wrestlers' arms, proclaiming them as sacrifices for this master. He tries to break the ring announcer's arm. And uh, he keeps calling out this master because even though he has him, he doesn't know who it is. Mm. 
eventually he starts attacking Sexy Star, who's a female mass wrestler. And Is she ever? Exactly. Yeah, I remember her from the first time I watched the show. Yeah. Anyways, and and uh, Vampiro jumps out of the commentator booth, like freaking out, mm-hmm. and that catches Pentagon's attention, who then starts like messing with Vampiro, like calling him out, like you, you're this washed up has been now. You're nothing. You used to be so hardcore. I used to look up to you, and he challenges him to a hardcore match. I Come heard. the end of the season, I we heard get that this hardcore ins- matches. Very yeah, serious business. We get. This CCW style, style match, yeah, and at the end of it, Vampiro had gets his ass. Uh, he asked for his arm to be broken, and afterwards he picks up the microphone and reveals he is Pentagon's master. Huh. The thing about this is, it's thirty episodes in the making. Like the details that it is Vampiro the master the whole time, has been there for thirty episodes. It comes off as a big swerve, but when you look at it in detail, it's been there the whole time. It's awesome. There's, a lot, got, de- there's yeah, a lot of details yeah. in that story that aren't you didn't even cover. Like the, the minute details in it all. Like what? Go. Like how we got Vampiro to finally agree to the match. Oh yeah. He uh he at the end of the ep- one episode he you know, they're saying the goodbyes and all that stuff and all of a sudden Pentagon comes out, attacks Vampiro, douses him in gasoline. And lights up a Zippo lighter and holds it to him, threatening to set him on fire. I think he said the rest, do the rest to his family as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when Vampiro finally agreed to the match. Because he kept saying, no, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight. I'm, I'm past this. I can't do it anymore. And he yeah. finally went to that extreme to get him to agree to the match. And then doesn't Vampiro come out like the whole like crazy old school vampiro gimmick like the whole fucking nine yards and like it's all yeah i heard it was pretty fucking nuts pretty badass match black pope black robe he's got the cross upside down and everything badass so um so when it's revealed that he is this master um was that like a left as a click you know a cliffhanger for season two or what ended up coming out of that basically vampiro's words were they're gonna go to a much darker place and like I said, uh, when describing these guys, like Pentagon is designed as a a polar opposite to Prince Puma. Prince Puma has Conan, and okay. Vampiro Vampiro has Pentagon now, which was a theme going through the season. Um, and that's a, and that's a that actually uh, I don't know if they meant to do this, but subtly that's cool too because the Vampiro Conan um, rivalry, both in the ring and in real life, goes fucking way back, like a decade, right? Yeah, that's yeah. why that's why we say it's such intricate writing because uh, basically it's been there the whole time. Like Vampiro will probably want someone to oppose Conan. Yeah, and does isn't he like probably he's probably talking shit, you know, on on Conan or whenever he you know what I'm saying? Like I could see how that would be become obvious that it was the rivalry throughout the season. Yep, that's pretty you, fucking pretty. You fucking also crazy. got Drago. Yeah, oh, can I add on to that real quick? Yeah, go, oh, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. In the whole process of finding out who Pentagon's master was, I think there's a lot of people guessing it was going to be Conan as well. Just for I that reason alone, too. Yeah, I was in that same boat. Because he had gotten taken out by Muertes before uh, Ultima Lucha. So he hadn't been seen for, like, what, two weeks before that? So it was almost like, oh, this is perfect timing for this to go down. Yeah. Yeah, because it was always there. Like, Conan, everyone's always pointing out, like, this guy is the worst of the worst. 
But they played it straight, like the whole season. Conan's just a good guy. Wow. Yeah, that's. Um. So, any, any what what other uh, major storylines? Those are the two big, like you know, sound really awesome, real real cool ones. What else was uh going on? There's a lot of interesting uh, lady competitors on the program, correct? Yep, we got Eva Lee and we got Sexy Star. Okay, are they pretty much it? For now, yeah. Is that going to expand in season two? Do you think I've heard I've heard some names, some names that I'm interested in seeing for the first time on American television? Yep, we're going to get more. Who? We're going to get Taya Valkyrie, who is absolutely gorgeous. She used to be in WWE's developmental system. She was. Yes, she. Oh, that makes me so sad. She, that, she that, the, that's her. That's that's who I'm talking about. I have a massive crush on Taya Valkyrie. She's uh, absolutely gorgeous. We did have another uh, female that was kind of inter- integral in the couple of them. Well, yeah, Katrina, who was with Mil Muertes. Okay. Um, I think she's going to have a more important presence on the show, even more so this next season than last. And then you also had Black Lotus, who she didn't wrestle, but she was involved with Dario Cueto's storyline. And I think she'll probably show up next season, too, in the ring, possibly, as well. She's actually a wrestler, but she was just using the uh, backstage segments, if you will, more than anything. Yep, she snapped a guy's back. She's the one that did it? Yep. She she snapped uh, Dragon Azteca is his name, basically. She snapped yeah. his back. El Dragon Azteca. Yep. Wow. Well, all right. <laughs> that's, a bad, that's a bad chick. <laughs> um, then, we, then we got... Uh, there was a guy on the show, his name was Marty the Moth. And he was originally just a joke character that he was, he's, oh, I have Aztec blood. And he's like the whitest looking dude you could possibly find on the planet. Yeah. Um, got his ass kicked every time he got in the ring. But he had, he kept trying to kind of, he was kind of creeping on Sexy Star for a while there. And Sexy, you know, got rid of him and all that shit. And at the end of the year, they showed him having Sexy tied up, threatening. You think I'm crazy? Wait till you meet my sister. So that's going to uh, be. Oh, okay. So that was a cliffhanger. Well, then there we go. We can jump into that now. Um, what what's what's going down for season two that people are going to need to see? What 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 uh what are we looking at? What are you guys hearing? Um, what are you guys excited about for season two? What cliffhangers did they leave for from season one? Well, um, judging from that huge vignette, we have King Cuerno, who is basically a hunter. Um, in a sense, like maybe a Randy Orton, like back in 2009, he will be chasing Phoenix, who is the gift of the gods champion right now. That is basically money in the bank meets the intercontinental championship. Okay. And they seem to be feuding because, um, King Corner was following Phoenix on their respective cars. What else we got? Um, Right now, that's the only real solid thing we have going on. There seems to be some sort of war going on for the temple based on the season two trailer. We saw what appeared to be um, a SWAT team of sorts, too, going around what looked like a desert. Hmm. What do you think? What do you what do you what do you draw from that? What do you think? I got to say that's the authorities looking for Daria. Because uh, yeah, they he find out to... he's using he's make doing this clandestine fucking thing down there. Yeah, that makes sense. I think yeah, we're also, re- also going to have a huge. I think there's going to be more. There's a storyline about Mexico being pissed off about uh, Chavo Guerrero and coming up and teaching him a lesson. And the legend, the quote unquote legendary Blue Demon Junior, 
suddenly joined his cause, so there's going to be some backlash on that, I think. Uh, you're going to see more with Dario Cueto, Black Lotus running, and Matanza running from uh, El Dragon Azteca. So it's kind of... Why, why are they running from him? Because they... Because I guess they had that. There was a feud in the first season where the lady broke his back, or yeah. Basically, what happened was Black Lotus was as went to Azteca to be trained because she thought that Derek Cueto killed her parents. And when she finally um, confronted Cueto about this, he revealed that he said that it was not him that killed her parents. It was El Dragon Azteca. Mm. And so when she, Cueto had her or locked up. And Azteca came to rescue her when he turned his back on her. That's when she broke his back. Oh, wow. Um, there's there's a new Dragon Azteca, actually. He puts on the mask at the end of the season. He's actually a... Well, you saw the ep- the episode, um, Nork. Um, he's actually the the young guy in a hood at the start of the first episode. Okay, okay. Um, all right. So that's that's a storyline that's going to carry over. What other what other stuff did they leave us like hanging? What what, what stuff do you expect to see uh, continued or or uh, you know re looked into with the way the last season ended? Hmm. Um, trying not to go into spoilers here. Um, well, Pentagon Junior is obviously going to get a bigger push. Yeah. Um, Johnny Mundo basically. I'm not sure if they'll follow up on it, but it's basically him who ran off uh, Alberto Del Rio from both Lucha Underground and AAA. Um, Sadly, he didn't get the AAA title, which was supposed to be the intended plan before the season. But I'm not sure how how they'll manage that. Originally, he was supposed to get all the credit for sending Alberto back to the WWE. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't that happen now? Um, the AAA pay-per-view that was supposed to crown him as the new mega champion got postponed. And oh, yeah, all... I remember hearing about that, actually. Okay. Yeah, it, so... it happens the same weekend as they tape Ultima Lucha, which is the season finale. Huh. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a, <laughs> a concern, a tough thing to try and work out. Um, yeah. What stuff... Okay, so without spoiling too much for this next season, too, um, what stuff are you hearing as far as uh, you know, p- new people who are going to appear, things that people can expect to see, uh, improvements that are going to be made in the show? Just what stuff are you hearing about uh, Underground Scuttlebutt that has you excited? Well, the b- first big name that's coming in is Rey Mysterio. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be huge. Um, I don't know if they'll throw him in the title, the title picture or anything. I don't. They've really been using their well-known names, not you know. Like, Johnny Mundo was in the title matches and all that stuff, but he was, like, the only real, like, big-name person that, you know, came from, like, WWE or some other place that really got involved with the title picture at all. So, that's kind of cool. They're cutting down the season from 39 episodes to 24, so I think it's probably going to be a little more concise, a little more streamlined as far as the storylines are concerned. Okay. Which could be good or bad, because I enjoyed the long... You know the long slow wind burn, of, yeah, yeah. Um, what else we got? Um, um, as far as characters go, like we're gonna if if uh, it's gonna be spoilers if you guys don't mind. No, um, I, or I do mind. The dude minds. The uh, dude well, minds. I mean, just, just. Oh, so okay. So you heard that somebody, um, who is a surprise is gonna be showing up. Um, yeah, pl- 
plenty. We got other characters getting involved too. Like some of them are probably not going to be well known. Let me see. Um, uh, probably not known to American audiences per se, but probably more people that follow Lucha. Yeah, maybe. one of them has history with with let's see, Aerostar and Ar Argenis. Argenis, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a, a storyline picked up. Okay, see so that stuff. That stuff's good. You can just just say stuff like that. You know, you might know him from here. You might know him from. Just give us give us some teases, KJ, of stuff that you've heard and seen. Right now, as far as the Mexican wrestlers go, um, he's the only one. We've got uh, Taya Valkyrie, like we said, who is the current AAA Women's Champion. Who's a fucking beast. Just wait, yep. you guys, man. Check this. Check her out. I'll probably be checking out the season, just the second season, just to just to see her do some stuff, to see her work. Um, I'm actually I... not not sure if she does ring work, but yeah, she is fantastic. Yep. Um, did, I think I heard something like cheerleader Melissa was going to be joining. Yeah, her. I feel like I heard that too. That she's going to be on the show. Is that correct? Or... Yeah. Yep. Yep. She's got an involvement. She has an involvement. I like that. Okay. Who else? <laughs> yeah. who, who else? What else? It's it's too much of a spoiler if I say it. Um, we've got a guy who was in TNA recently. Just leave it at that, unless you not, guys want to know the name. Not named Hernandez? No. Yeah, definitely not named <laughs> Hernandez. Not Hernandez. Yeah. <laughs> Hernandez is blackballed from everywhere at this point. Pretty yeah. much. Um, let me see other names. Like, we're going to get... Man, I, re I really can't say the names without accidentally spoiling details from what hey, I've read. You know, is there like any wrestler that's just going to be there just for the fact of being there? Or is there, are they all, all the ones coming in going to be like super deep in storylines, basically? Um, I'd say the only one with that would be uh, PJ Black. Okay. Ooh. I'm down with that. I like it. Yeah. But other than that's, that... What's the name? For anybody who doesn't know, that's um, Justin Gabriel from, from the WWE days. Yes. Okay, there would be cool. Let's see. Is there, um, what's uh, what's Rey Mysterio's involvement supposed to be? Oh, it's very deep, actually. Okay, can you can you give a little bit of summation without spoiling any any surprises? Um, he's going to be pretty detailed in this war that's been going on for the temple. Okay, he's going to be a big player in that. Okay, yep. see, there you go. It's, it's perfect right there. Um, um, can I can I pose a question real quick here? Yeah, go for go it. Um. So, without knowing everyone that's coming back, because I don't read spoilers for this, uh, who's someone that you'd like to see come in, maybe, if, you know, when season three comes around? <laughs> Daniel Bryan! Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see the Psycho Circus come in. They're, really? they're, really? Very, fun. Heard... they're very fun. <laughs> I've heard a lot of, I've heard varying opinions on those individuals. I've never <laughs> seen it myself, but I've heard, heard it's a, it's a, you love them or you hate them. They're the best or they're the worst. Well, they're AAA's top draw as far as the merchandise yeah. goes, so they gotta they gotta cash in on that somehow. But uh, well, tell us I'm about them. Who is that? Why 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 are they interesting? They're they're like I I don't mean this in the insulting way that they're clowns, but like they're clowns, right? Yeah, they're basically evil clowns. At least that's how the masks look. Um, we've got your small leader who is Psycho Clown. He. He's the current AAA Latin American champion and one of the top stars of the company. You've got Monster Clown, who is basically Mexican Abyss, if we could say that, because the dude is just humongous like Abyss. Can he work? 
Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. He can fly all over the place, actually. Oh, shit. All right, cool. And you've got one that might need censoring because his name is Murder Clown, who is basically the, the average one out of the three. Okay. Um, other, they're... I, I don't want to assume this because you never fucking know what different cultures and different places. They're heels, right? No, actually, they've turned babyface. Oh, okay. popularity. Yeah. I was going to say the last time I watched Triple A, I think I saw Psycho Clown teaming with Rey Mysterio yep. against, uh, huh. I don't even remember who the, uh, Ricky Banderas and somebody else, and I can't remember who it was. But yeah, I saw he was a face. So you'd like to see them? Who else? Um, Let me see. We've got them. Um, Chessman, who is, um, he's just this cool looking dude, basically. He's not really that good of a worker, but just to look alone, I think he would catch on to the same degree that Drago catched on. What about your boy, uh, Mr. 450? Yes. Oh, man, man, my boy, Mr. 450. I sadly don't see him, at least not for season three, because AAA hasn't really followed up on him. But, man, if he does come on board, like, it would be awesome. Just for the character that they could do with this guy. Well, um, tell, tell the listeners about this guy, because he's actually been on uh, NXT a couple times, where I've seen him, you know, he was in job status, so he didn't really get to do much, but, I mean, he bumped well, and you could tell he was a decent worker. Um, tell us, tell us, tell the listeners about Mr. 450. He is, how can I say this if people don't watch this show? Um, he, he basically dresses up like a Dragon Ball Z character. And works um, like one, too, doesn't he? That is awesome. <laughs> In a way, yeah, because basically when he first started the gimmick, he was basically like, I am the absolute best and I will not take um, no for an answer. Um, I get stronger with every loss, he, he likes to say. He's basically, um, if you ever watch Dragon Ball Z, for those that have, he's basically Vegeta in wrestler form. Pretty much, although he acts more Vege- like Barnock now. did you just say on my show? Vege- what? No, Vegeta. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, continue. Sure. Every '90s kid just popped, just marked out there for a second. So it's all good. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, let me see what else I could use to describe him. Um, he's just basically a tweener. Like he's currently a baby face, but he is not afraid to cheat at all. He used a chair in one of his last matches. He actually breathed fire on someone's face, like last week on hmm. WWC. So he's a WWC guy, right? Correct. He is the Universal Champion there right now. Okay, yeah, but his his promotion, he works yep. for WWC. Yep. And he came into AAA at the, the end of the year. Uh, according to Conan, he was very favorable. They loved him a lot, and they might bring him again. They might make him How a How long has a, he been working? He's still, he's, is he fairly new? Fairly new to, to the, the game? To the business? He's been yeah. there for like 11 years, actually. He oh, started like okay, okay. very young. So his time his time is, is here then, basically. Yep, he's he's hitting his peak now. Okay. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, what besides Mister Four Fifty? What's like? What's his name? What's his real name is? Um, what was it? John Jesus Jornet. Okay, well, gimmick name. What if people wanted to go seek him out and see some of his stuff? Is what I mean. What yeah, was, uh, Mister Mister Four Fifty. Um, Jesus de Leon is another name that he he would go by. Uh, Hemet. Hemet, yeah. Which was his his name for ten years. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. This guy basically uh, revived Puerto Rican wrestling in a sense last year. Awesome. So he's, he's, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty over I, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. So uh, when does this new season of Lucha Underground premiere? What time, where, and when? It's going to be on the El Rey Network. 
And it's going to be... Was it uh, January 27th, was it? 20... Yep. Yeah, 27th on the LRA Network. I think it's the same time as NXT, basically. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's on the same time. 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Heavy Eastern. encouragement to everybody out there to check it out. Yes. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to get in about, about Lucha Underground or about in- encouraging our listeners to check anything out? Ty, go seriously, first. oh, go yeah. ahead, Ty. KJ, go first, man. Me, all right. Yep. Um, seriously, if you guys want a different perspective on wrestling, like something that actually feels fresh and new, not just coherent like NXT, which is great too, but different, <laughs> Lucha Underground. Because come on, we've got a Dragon Man, we have a Spaceman, you have a Satanic Martial Artist, you have a Devil Man. Let's see what else we got here. We got we, we have it all. We have thugs. We have superhero women. We've got Chavo Guerrero. We've got a, 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 a wrestling We've got geriatric. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny as shit. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. We got we got a wrestling geriatric and in, in, in Blue Demon Junior. Gotta hit that guy. Um, what else we got? We got Conan Vampiro. We got one of the best Triple uh, A wrestlers in Tejano. Yeah, awesome guy. You got Phoenix too. Phoenix has has gotten so much good these past few years. Um, Pentagon Junior too is awesome, and you got Matt Stryker, which you can always mute. Yeah, that's. I don't even mind Stryker on the show, honestly. Like, I think he does a decent job explaining the the, the traditions. He, he's. Dreadful the first few episodes. Other people but, do have oh, yeah. a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. But afterwards, yeah, he does improve. And I, I like to say that if you put up with Matt Stryker, you're well rewarded. Yep. Okay. There's a lot of wrestlers that we haven't even touched on in this episode either. Uh, guys like Cage, The Mac, um, Killshot. Killshot's awesome too, man. Like, there's so many. They got such a great roster that they can all work, bump, and the whole nine yards. Um, now that now that you mentioned Cage, actually, like I was watching the episodes where he's the the world champion challenger, it is awesome the way he's portrayed because basically he 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 has Prince Puma in the palm of his hand constantly, but this guy is so anger filled and frustrated that he constantly messes it up. He gets himself disqualified or or, or just doesn't end the match. I I, I will say. I'll say this much. Cage is probably the guy that surprised me the most. Like, he came in, this huge, you know, muscle-bound dude. Looks like something that Vince McMahon would have a, you know, field day with. And I'm thinking, oh, great. They're going to bring in this guy in a Lucha promotion? Really? And then he's busting out fucking moonsaults and high-flying moves and all this shit. And he's just generally awesome. Like, I did not expect that at all. Like, I had no idea who he was before Lucha Underground. I'm a huge fan of him now. Fantastic guy. I think the best way to describe him would be Apollo Crews meets Brock Lesnar. Oh, wow. That's... So that's a hell of a combo right yeah, there. That's pretty fucking interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Ty, what about you? I think AJ pretty much covered it, man. It's a fresh take on wrestling. It's You get deep storylines. It's, it's something that you can sit back and enjoy. You're not just going to sit there and be like, oh, God, can we just get to a decent match here? Um you're not going to sit there through a 10-minute backstage interview. You know, you're going to have your quick three-minute snippet in the back to further storyline along. Everything's quick, concise, logical. 
Um, you know, it, it makes it's makes wrestling fun, in my opinion. And I think what a great thing about it is, if it's not a, a, a tell tell a story as you go type thing, is that you know you see so much shit in the WWE that's just fucking pointless, that never leads to anything, that stop start pushes, uh, fucking you know wins and losses don't matter or don't contribute to anything that's in a bigger picture. When you have in mind that you're going to serially you know, record this by, by season, everything does have a point because it's part of the angle of the storyline of your quote unquote television show. So, and that's, you know, that's what happens when you get a real Hollywood producer in, in get his hands on something like a pro wrestling promotion. Yep. And not only that, but you, every match seems important, like for the bigger names, you know, if you have Prince Puma face Mil Muertes, they only faced off once ever. And yep. It was huge. You know, every or even Puma versus Mundo, who I think had what three, two, three matches against each other. Every single one of those matches felt important. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to see Roman Reigns face off against Sheamus for the 532nd time this month. Yeah. You know, um, so actually turned that into a storyline, actually, in Drago and Aerostar. Right. They made it, uh, what was it, best of five or best of seven? The best of five, yeah. Yeah, best of five because they kept trading wins uh, to begin with, and Cueto made it so that there would be a unique opportunity, as he puts it, and it ended up being a badass series of matches. So even they even knew how to utilize it when you have guys that face each other off multiple times like that. So the booking is the booking is fantastic. Um, I think they said in season two they're going to kind of ramp up some of the sci-fi and fantasy aspects. Of yeah, it. that's what I heard too. Well, I heard in the first place that they had a lot of crazy ass shit, like a lot of ideas in their heads, like with with spaceships and aliens and all kinds of fucking wild stuff for the first season. And they kind of, you know, after re- revising it a few times, they kind of drew it back a little bit. So I yeah, would they- not be surprised to see more crazy over the top stuff this year. And I think they wanted to see how people would react to it, I think, is what they said first. Like, they weren't sure how it was going to be reacted to, and then once they saw that people loved it, they're going to go full bore with it now. And I love it, man. It's, you know, as someone that grew up with, like, the uh, Lord of Darkness and the ministry angle with Undertaker, yeah, all over that, I loved it. Um, I miss uh, feuds, storylines, stuff like that. You know, it's wrestling, yes. There's a time and place for pure sport, you know, this is what it is in the ring, and then there's sometimes I like to see storylines are just off the fucking wall. And I think I think that, and maybe even me, I might give it another go, you know, give it another try. Um, that if you if you just take it at the right perspective of what you're watching, like if you're watching a show that's intended to be, you know, like that, that's intended to be different and recorded like a like a show, and uh, you know, really storyline based and not really based. Because the whole thing, you know, that'll get you in trouble with wrestling is is still, even at its core, it's supposed to be sort of based in reality. But if you completely throw those chains off and you just go nuts and, like, this is its own self-contained uh, entertainment, you know, program, then, then that stuff's a little bit less difficult to, to you know, be concerned with or have it, have it detract from what you're watching. Yeah, and that's why you see uh, promotions like Chikara getting popularity. Yeah. Um, people want to have fun with wrestling and sometimes you just got to take a break from the super ultra serious, uh, well, Chikara is definitely that, but you know, take it from the ultra super serious, uh, WWE style that we're all known and 
love to hate sometimes. Um, you just have fun with it. You know, that's why it's great. You know, if you're a wrestling fan, go out there, find different promotions to watch. Watch Ring of Honor, watch Lucha Underground, watch Chikara, watch Pro PWG. Uh, I mean, there's there's a ton of excellent wrestling out there that I think a lot of people are missing out on um, just because it's not self-centered on their TV every Monday night. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, KJ, tell us again where we can find your work. Good, sir. My work would be at impactoestelar.com. Basically, impact, you put an O at the end, E-S-T-E-L-A-R. Don't forget how to spell it. You don't have I to put forgot. three. You don't have to put three R's on the end of it like I do every time I talk about it, guys. You just put the one <laughs> R, and then you can find it. He reviews a ton of shit. He has two podcasts: a Spanish language one and an American ing- language one. Um, who knows? You might even see at some point your your humble host here popping up on that show. You know, if I'm like ever invited to be ever one week, um, I might be able to do that. Intense. Just yep. saying. Yep. I caught it. I caught it. Yeah, just saying. I'm just saying. You know, maybe if I was invited, I would might come over there. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. We're still slaying it. We're still doing uh, well over a thousand downloads per episode. You guys fucking rock. I hope this has given you guys some insight into uh, what's coming down the pike for Lucha Underground, and maybe get you to go back and check out the first season. I know it's actually somehow, even though I have tried and failed twice to get into it and watch it, I somehow still have had my interest repeaked in maybe trying to, again, attempt checking it out. So um, thank you guys both for coming on here and educating us up on this next season coming up of Lucha Underground. I hope everything goes great with it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Coming up very soon, we'll be having a big Royal Rumble preview. We're all excited to see how this finally breaks down uh, these all these crazy storylines that have been going on with the McMahons and the Roman Empire. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back soon.